Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. One of the things that your generosity allows us to do is partner with really incredible ministries here in Indiana and around the world. And and I want to introduce you to one of our ministry partners today. Uh, We work with a ministry called Young Life uh, here in Indiana County, and they do an incredible job. And and for the last few years, they've been reaching into our high school, uh, Indiana High School and United in Blairsville, doing a great job of reaching kids uh, where they're at and just sharing the gospel with them. And this last year, uh, they hired a staff member to, to concentrate on IUP. And so I'm excited to introduce you to her today. Uh, she actually is a part of our church. She's been attending here since she came. And uh, so it doesn't even feel like I'm introducing you to a guest, uh, but she's part of our family. So please welcome with me to the stage, Allie Carter from Young Life IUP. It's great to see you today. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a part of this. Um, so tell us just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm originally from a suburb of Chicago, and then I went to uh, Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and just graduated this past May. And then in August, I moved here. So, big adjustment moving from Chicago to Indiana, Pennsylvania? Yes, yeah, very different. <laughs> the skyline's almost identical, oh, okay. really. yes. And like Michigan, you know, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, there might be people sitting here, and even some college students that are unfamiliar with Young Life. Tell us a little bit about Young Life. Yeah. What is that all about? So, Young Life is an international organization that's in... Um, all 50 states and over 100 countries, um, but it has been around for 75 years, and then Young Life College has been around for about 10 years now, and our mission statement is to introduce adolescents to Jesus Christ and help them grow in their faith. Um, and at Young Life College, we have that same mission statement, but then we view it as we reach students, we go to where they are, we reach the lost, build them up in a community, and then launch them out into either uh, leadership in Young Life, leadership in a different ministry, leadership in a church, or leadership in their own workplace after college. Um, tell us a little bit, you've only been here a short time, and I know a lot of what you're doing is prep and just um, kind of tilling soil and getting <laughs> things ready, but tell us some of the things that have happened since you've been here that you're excited about. Yeah, um, <clears throat> we had a fall getaway this past September, and we had about 12 IUP students go. It was super cool to see a community of students who want to know about, more about the Lord and do it together, uh, grow from there. And then also we had four IUP students go through new leader training, so now they are currently out in high schools and they're telling uh, lost high school students about Jesus. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that it's not just um, like you're trying to get them plugged into opportunities and get them plugged into ministry. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that are coming up that you're excited about? Maybe some things later this year, next year, whatever it might be that you're excited about being a part of or doing. Yeah, we have a spring break trip where we're going to West Virginia to a brand new Young Life camp that hasn't even been built yet. But we're going to go whitewater rafting there because it's also an adventure camp. And then we're going to another Young Life camp in Virginia and serving there. So we're going to go there, show up, and be like, hey, what do you need? And we'll do it. So that means cleaning dishes or doing laundry or building something, we're going to do it. And then also it's really sweet to see new leaders come um, from Young Life College and say, hey, I want the next step. I want the next step, which is leading or going to a church. And it's really sweet to have conversations with students and see this community being built where they're like, hey, let's go swing dancing in Pittsburgh next weekend. It's like, all right, let's do it. Like, as a group, we're doing it. So... Can I go swing dancing? Yeah, March 4th, we're doing it. All right, perfect. Everybody's invited. <laughs> I got some great swing dancing skills. <laughs> well, you have church, so, so you can meet us there after church. Okay. Um, so if people are sitting here today and they're wondering, um, how could I be involved or how could I support, what can I do to help, uh, what are some ways that they could be involved? Yeah, so I'll be out there um, just 
I would love to talk to people, honestly. Um, obviously, you can support us in prayer. Um, that's always a huge thing. You can be on my email list of just what the Lord's doing in Young Life College. Um, financially, um, you can just support us on a monthly or a what a one-time gift. Um, but I also just love to talk to people about what the Lord's doing through Young Life College um, and how you could support us either by possibly being a leader for either college students or high school students or even um, being on this thing called committee, which is people in our community who just support the mission but can't give the full time of being a leader, but they love the ministry and they want to support us that way. And uh, we support ministries of all kinds in our area, but it makes it especially easy because Young Life, both Allie, who does Young Life at IUP, and then Brian and Hillary Freeze, who some of you might remember, uh, they're the area directors for this county. Uh, they attend here as well, and so it makes it especially easy when they're part of our family already. And so we love these guys. We love what they're doing. I want to encourage you, if you're here today um, and you want to find out more, stop by and just hear more about the vision of Young Life. Um, and she can process one-time gifts today, so if you want to give cash, or a check, you can do that today. If you'd like to pay, uh, give her a one-time gift with a credit card or set up recurring gifts, she can process all that today, answer any questions you've got about that. But again, her table's out in the lobby on the right-hand side of the main doors before you walk out. So stop by there, get to know Allie Carter, find out more about Young Life IUP. And if there are students that are here that maybe aren't involved in a campus ministry or they're interested in finding out more about Young Life IUP, what do they need to do? Come get my number and I will text you and get, you, and go, and, ah, and get coffee with you. I'll, pay, I'll pay for coffee. For just a second, I thought you were speaking in tongues. No, no. <laughs> I do that I sometimes speak. too. It's fine. Um, so stop by. If you're an IEP student, stop by and visit with Allie as well. She'd love to connect with you. If you didn't know this, she said this earlier, she likes to talk. Did anybody notice that while she was talking today? Uh, I didn't have to pry anything out of you, so that's good. Uh, do me a favor. Give Allie Carter a big round of applause as she's seated today. Thank you so much, Allie. Love what they're doing, reaching lots of lost people at IUP. Um, we've got ministry partners like, um, like FCA is doing a great job on, at IUP's campus as well. But the truth is there's over 13,000 students at IUP who have no relationship with God. And, uh, and it's our responsibility and our opportunity and our obligation to do something about that. And, and the summit can't do it all. And so that's why we've got great ministry partners like these to, to help us um, reach students for Christ. So thank you guys for your generosity. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing here. Um, we're continuing a series today called Love Is. Uh, we started this a few weeks ago. We're in part four of the series. If you've missed any part of it, I would encourage you, go back and get caught up on where we're at. Uh, it'll give you a lot of the context that we can't cover today. We just don't have the time to. Uh, but I, I, wanna, I wanna just unpack what this passage of Scripture really says because this is a passage that you're probably familiar with. Even if you're not a church person or a religious person, you're probably familiar with this passage of Scripture because you've heard it read at weddings or you've seen it just as a, as a piece of literature, a love literature. Um, and so it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 4. We'll finish in verse 7. It says this. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Um, the passage of scripture we're going to look at today, and we've kind of walked through it verse by verse and, and line by line together over the last few weeks, but the, the verse we're going to look at today is verse 7. And it says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And what we'll do is we'll take the first part of that scripture and talk about it today. And we'll look at the next part of it next week. And so uh, we'll finish up next week. But again, I want to encourage you, go back and get caught up on where we're at. It'll really give you a lot of context uh, for where we're at even today. 
Um, when you look at this passage, this first part of this verse says, love bears all things. Um, and we live in western Pennsylvania, and I know we've got people watching online from all over the United States that maybe the demographics there are a little different. But here in western Pennsylvania, there are a lot of people who like to hunt. Does anybody know that? Is that new to anybody? Do they not know that? There's a lot of people who like to carry guns. And so in western Pennsylvania, they, a lot of people around here believe in the Second Amendment. And if you're not familiar, you've forgotten your, your civics, uh, the Second Amendment is the right to bear arms. And now let me clarify this. That does not mean it's the right to wear a sleeveless shirt, okay? What it means is it's the right to carry a gun, okay? Um, and so when we hear the right to bear arms, we understand it to be the right to carry a gun. So when it says love bears all things, it's easy to go, well, love carries all things. That's what it must mean. Uh, and there is some truth to that. There is an element of, of carrying when it comes to this passage. But really, when you look at the context, it goes much deeper than that. Let me, let me start, first of all, with the word love. Uh, when, when we're talking about love in this passage, and, and specifically uh, here in chapter 13, it's talking about a love that's different than a romantic love. It's talking about uh, the Greek word here is agape, which is, um, it's a brotherly kind of love, but it's a love you have for someone you're not related to. It's a love you have for someone that might be a difficult love because it's, it's an act of will. It doesn't come naturally. It's not something that's stirred up whenever you have something in common with somebody else or you're related to someone. Uh, it's a love that you kind of have to make yourself do. Has anybody ever been around someone that was just hard to love? Has anybody? Okay, a lot of you are liars. So you raise two hands. You're like, everybody I know is hard to love, right? That might be a you problem. I'm sorry. Um, but we've all been around people like that. You just thought, oh, gosh, this person, oh. But do you know what Scripture tells us? Jesus actually said that we should love our enemies and pray for the people that persecute us. That's what he says. And so this love is, is an agape love that's not just for the people who love us. It's for the people who are opposed to us, the people who don't even like us. This is how we're commanded to love. And so when it says love bears all things, I wanted to put a framework. That's what love really is about. When it says love bears all things, the Greek word for bear here is stego, and what it means is to cover or to protect or keep covered to preserve. And so if you substitute that word in, it says love covers all things. Because see, many times when we're in conflict with someone, when we're having problems with someone, we don't want to cover things, we want to uncover things. So if we've got a problem with somebody and, and we find out that they've got a, a weakness or we find out they've got an inadequacy, we want everybody to know about their inadequacy. We want to share with people. Well, yeah, he might seem like a nice guy, but did you know he did this and this and this? Well, yeah, he seems like a good guy, but do you know what he was like when he was younger? Let me tell you. So what we're doing is we're, we're sharing a weakness. Does that make sense? And again, sometimes it feels justified because we feel like the good guys, right? Well, I'm trying to do a public service, and this person really is not a nice person. Well, yeah, she might seem nice, but did you know she gossips all the time? Did you know you're gossiping right now, Right? And so what Jesus, I mean, what, what Paul was trying to do with the Corinthian church was help them understand what love really should be. And I want to remind you of the context. And the church in Corinth, uh, the Corinthian church was a train wreck. They were an unmitigated disaster. They were fighting about things like uh, social class and, um, and socioeconomic issues and race issues and uh, spiritual gifts. They were fighting over whose spiritual gifts were more important in the church. And so 
Paul writes this letter, and he's basically saying, cut it out, right? Like, stop acting like children. You're acting like a bunch of petulant children. Quit it. But he's walking with them through this, and he says, let me tell you what love is and what love isn't. Let me tell you what love does and what love doesn't do. And this is what 1 Corinthians 13 is. And when he gets to verse 7, he says, love bears all things. Love covers all things. And now, this doesn't mean that love hides things in the way that we would um, avoid accountability. But when we have an opportunity to expose someone's weakness or cover someone's weakness, it's saying that love and the love that God has for us is the love that covers weakness instead of exposes it. When we have the opportunity to tell somebody what we really know, that we don't have to. That we can choose to do that or we can choose to cover in love. Um, if you go a little deeper with this meaning in, um, in the Greek, it says to cover over with silence. So we have some information or some goose, juicy gossip, but we choose not to share it because we choose to protect the person instead. Um, the, <laughs> one of the things I hear from time to time is when somebody is, is saying things that are negative, they'll sell, say things like, well, I'm just trying to help them get better. And I don't know if you remember, if you were here last week, you heard me talk about this. Uh, we talked last week about what truth is and that truth is, a, truth is a catalyst for action in our lives. So when we truly understand who we are and who God is, we understand what our true condition is, it should be a catalyst for action in our lives. When we see the, the, the truth of where our community is, we see the truth of a neighbor's spiritual condition, it should be a catalyst for us to take action. And so even with our staff, um, I'm honest with our staff. And I'm not, I'm not a jerk, I don't think. Am I a jerk? Okay, good job. Um, but what we do is I, I will tell the tr truth to our staff in love. So I'll be honest with them. Because if we're not honest, we can't get better. And so my wife is a great critic for me. She's a loving critic. So I'll ask her on Sundays, I'll get home, or on Saturday nights, and I'll say, hey, what do you think about the message? And she'll go, it's like, wow, that's so edifying. That just builds me up. Thank you, honey, right? But then I'll say, well, what'd you think? What, what about this? And should I have done this different? And I get feedback from her. And it's painful sometimes, but how can I get better if she's not honest with me? If every time I came home and preached a message, I said, what'd you think? And she goes, baby, you're the greatest preacher who ever lived. Billy Graham doesn't hold a candle to you. You are fantastic. I'd be like, that's right, I am. And I would feel better about myself, but I could not get better, could I? Because she's lying to me. And so this is, this is one of the arguments that is made. They're saying, well, yes, I'm critical, and yes, I'm, I'm, I'm negative, but I'm just trying to help people get better. But this is the thing. If you are being critical about someone to someone else, you're not helping them. You are gossiping. See, you liked it better when I was making jokes, didn't you? <laughs> so if you're being critical about someone to anyone besides that person, you're doing it for yourself. And what you're doing is you're doing the opposite of love. You're uncovering weaknesses. You're going, you know, I'm a little concerned about the company because, you know, he's not pulling his weight, and I would just wish somebody would pull their weight, and he's not doing his job, and I don't know what we should do. And you know what you're doing? You're gossiping. In your school, you're, you're around classmates, um, you're in your social groups, and it's easy to go, well, did you see what they were? I can't believe, and... We're gossiping instead of covering over. And, and Paul makes it clear, if you want to see reconciliation and unity, the only way it's going to happen is if we choose the high ground and take the high road and say, you know what, I have information that I could share, but I'm not going to share it. 
I'm going to cover up the weaknesses and the insufficiencies of the people around me for their protection and for the betterment. I'm going to choose silence. Um, if, if you look at the, this kind of word picture that the, the Greeks use here, there's a word that's used in this definition. It's deck. And it's exactly what you would think it is. It's like if you built a deck at your house, right? Um, and what this is, is it's this idea that if, um, if I am weak and I'm carrying uh, burdens, that what happens is the people come around me and they put a covering over me, a deck over me, so that when those burdens and that weight comes, it doesn't land on me, but it lands on the covering. Does that make sense? So instead of me having to carry the burdens, now I've got a group of people who have helped carry the burden for me. That's what love really is. It's covering to protect, to help carry the weight. And so many times we don't live our lives that way. So many times we are quick to talk about what we know and to share all the juicy gossip. See, we are, we're asked to bear all things, but instead so many times we, we air all things. We get it out there. We let everybody know. And we might not put it on Facebook or on social media, but... We will tell everybody who will take five seconds to listen. And what Paul is trying to help the church understand is you can live your life that way, but you're never going to have a healthy church. You're never going to have a healthy family. You're never going to have a healthy workplace. And so what we do is we choose as Christians to cover. You know, there's precedent for this. Um, If you look in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13, it says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. So even the book of Proverbs, we could see that there's a precedent here. There is a pattern here. In Romans chapter 4, the writer of Romans quotes uh, a passage in Psalm 32, but he says this in Romans 4, verse 7 through 8. It says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count as sin. So blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. I'm thankful that my lawless deeds are forgiven and that my sins are covered. I'm thankful that my sins are not counted against me because of the love of God. Um, So we see here a loving God who covers the sins of his children. Um, It goes back all the way to Genesis, in the book of Genesis, uh, and I won't read this line by line or verse by verse. Let me just give you my shortened version. Um, so God creates man and wife, or man and woman. They're great, life is good. And he says, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that, don't, don't eat it, okay? Do whatever you want, don't, don't eat it. Like that one rule, right? So one day they're hanging out by the, knowledge, by the tree of knowledge of good and evil which seems harmless, right? And the devil comes and he tempts them. And the man is with the woman. It is clear in scripture that they are together. And she's like, well, it seems like a good thing. What do you think, honey? Should we eat this fruit that God told us not to eat? And this man had the perfect opportunity to lead his wife well, right? And he didn't. Do you know what he did? He went, oh, should we eat it? I don't know. God told us not to, but maybe it's okay. And mm, that's what he did. So they took the fruit. They sinned. Um, sin entered into the world, and they immediately recognized their own nakedness. They immediately recognized their own, um, they were confronted with truth at that point. 
we are sinful. And so they went and hid. And God shows up, and he's walking through the garden. He's calling for them as if God didn't know exactly where they were. He was giving them opportunity to come to him. And so he's calling for them. And finally they come out, and he says, what's going on? And they said, well, we were naked. And he said, who told you that? And they have this conversation. And so God, instead of smiting them or just being punitive, his heart is broken over his creation, over his children. And he immediately kills an animal. And this is the, the first of the animal sacrifice to cover sin that we see in the law in the Old Testament. And so he takes an animal, he kills it, and he takes the skin and he uses it to cover up their nakedness. So God, who commanded them not to do something, took the initiative to cover their sin. We see this, and we see this over and over and over throughout the Old Testament, through, the, through the, increment, uh, the implements of the law, that they were supposed to offer an animal sacrifice, and the blood of the animal sacrifice covered their sins. And then the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus Christ. God sends his son Jesus into the world to be the ultimate sacrifice, once and for all, for mankind. That his blood not just covers our sins, but atones for them. And we are covered so God could choose to see our inadequacy and our weakness, but instead, when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of his son. The ultimate covering. So when we, as people who claim to be Christians, refuse to cover someone else the way that we have been covered, what we're saying is, uh, I'm, I deserve love, but you don't. I deserve to be covered, but you don't deserve to be covered, so I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna expose what I know about you. I'm gonna leave you unprotected. See, if we can receive that kind of love, then we need to show that kind of love as well. We need to think twice before we say the words that bring death and life and condemnation to someone else, even if they don't hear it. Maybe especially if they don't hear it. Because that's what love, love, love does. Love covers and protects. And I just want to remind you, this is not just, yes, this is in the context of a church that didn't get along with each other, but this works in your marriage too. Did you know that? I said this last night, but I'm going to say this again. I've never, ever, ever, ever told a mother-in-law joke from stage. Part of it's because my mother-in-law watches, so that's part of it. But, but if we're going to be honest, the real reason is even if there were reasons to make jokes about my mother-in-law, I would never do it because love covers, it doesn't uncover. So I'll never make a joke about my mother-in-law from stage. My father-in-law's fair game. I will, no, I'm just kidding. I never make jokes about my wife from stage. I just don't do it. I wanna honor her. Do you know why? Because love covers, it doesn't uncover. And when, when I do that, it says something about me more than it really says something about the person I'm talking about. The love of God that he shows us is an agape love that's a hard love that covers sin. Do you think it was easy for God to send his only son to die for people who are in open rebellion against him? No. How much more should we be willing to cover up the sin of the people around us and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, choose, I'm gonna choose to cover that instead of airing everything. That's what he's asking us to do. The second part of that verse says, love believes all things. Um, and the, the Greek word for believes here is uh, pistuo, and what it means is 
to think true, which makes sense, or to credit. And this is the thing I really like, because what it's really saying is to give credit when credit may be undeserved. So um, what, it, what it means is that we're not led to believe something, but we choose to believe something. So some people live their lives, they want to see the evidence. If you show me the evidence, then I will choose to believe. But what, what this says is that we should choose to believe in spite of what the evidence might say. That, that we should see someone and believe the best before we believe the worst. And we are quick to believe the worst about people. Um, again, the context was this church was fighting with each other. And what Paul's saying is, here's what you do. Here's what love is supposed to do. Love covers the sins instead of trying to expose the sins and the bad things and the weaknesses. And love chooses to believe the best about the person that you're in opposition with. What if, just hypothetical, what if Republicans and Democrats chose to believe the best about the other Do you think our political process might change a little bit? Do you, do you think social media might be a little bit easier to be on? What if races chose to believe the best about the other? What if people that were Caucasian chose to believe the best about people that were African American? What if, what if people that were different than us were on the other side of an argument? We said, you know what, I, instead of demonizing you, instead of believing the worst about you because you disagree with me, what if I, I choose to believe the best? You don't think that could change a family or a church or a nation? It absolutely would. And this is the way we're commanded to love, by choosing to believe the best instead of the worst. Because too many times when we're in conflict with someone, we immediately default to the worst thing about them. Even in your marriage, think about this. In your marriage, if you're in conflict with your spouse, it's easy to think about all the horrible things they've ever done, right? It's easy to default to that, and then you think about yourself, and you think about your intentions. Well, I've, I've always done my best to be good to them, so you're, you're comparing your best to their worst. And this is what happens when we're in conflict. We compare our best to their worst. And it's an unfair comparison. But what if we gave them the benefit of the doubt? What if we chose to believe the best about the people who are in opposition to us? I think it would change everything. <laughs> Forget about politics. Forget about race relations. Think about what that does in, in a body of believers in a church. If, if a group of people just chooses to believe the best about the people that they're worshiping with, how much energy and life does that bring to the body? And that's what, that's what Paul's desire is for the Corinthian church. He, he's, he says, choose to believe the best instead of the worst. See, some people, it's easy to believe the best, isn't it? Um, this last week, um, Kim and I were talking, and our girls are 14 and 11, and, and you know this if you have kids, but um, when your kids deal with stuff, you deal with stuff. And it doesn't matter how old your kids get. I'm, I'm 40, and if I'm dealing with something, my parents feel the weight of that. I'm still their baby. It's underneath the beard I have a baby face, but that's... But when my girls struggle with something, when they hurt, I hurt. When they celebrate, I celebrate. When they do something stupid, I don't stop loving them. 
Do you know why? Because they're my girls. They're mine, right? So I choose to believe the best in my girls. So in spite of what they may do or not do, in spite of some of the choices they make or, or don't make, um, I choose to believe the best because they're mine. I've told them, there's nothing they could do. There's no distance they could run from me. There's no amount of rebellion in their life that they could have, God forbid, that, that it would cause me to stop loving them. It might impact our relationship. It might change some of the dynamics. But no matter what happens, I will love them because they are mine. And so no matter what, no matter what happens in their life, I'm going to choose to believe the best because they're mine. It's interesting because we serve a God that loves us that same way. Uh, this passage of scripture in Romans, I want to read this to you. Um, it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, and it says this. He says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what the writer of Romans is saying to us? That, that when we are in Christ, when we are believers, when we are, are, are grafted into the family of God, he believes in us. Not because we've earned it, not because we're good enough, not because we perform well, but because we are his. So no matter what we do or where we run, there might be consequences, there might be a shift in relationship because of some of the choices we make, but nothing we ever do will ever cause God not to love us because we are his and he believes in us. See, he doesn't see, he doesn't see what we do, he sees who we are. If my girls do something stupid, I don't label them that and go, well, now they're a failure. No, I go, they're my daughter. Yeah, they might have messed up, but they're still my daughter. And you might be here today and you feel like you've messed up. You've gone too far. You've rebelled too much. There's no amount of grace or love that can cover up your sin. But I want you to know something. God looks at you and he doesn't look at you as a failure. He doesn't look at you as a screw up. He doesn't look at you as somebody that, that can't ever get it right. He looks at you and says, they're my child. He doesn't define you by what you've done. He defines you by who you are. He chooses to believe the best in you. He chooses to see that, yeah, you may have messed up, but there's so much more in you than that. That's not who you are. And that's how God wants us to love others. He, he asks us to love others that way, to choose to believe the best. I said this last week, but um, agape love is hard. It's not easy. It, it's hard work to love people that way. It's hard work to love the people in our family that way, let alone people who are in our position to us. This is what God has called us to do. He says, I want you to love sacrificially, not just the people who love you, but the people who hate you. The people who scream the loudest against what you believe in. Those are the people that you say, I choose to believe the best. Those are the people that you say, I choose to cover up instead of uncover. That's what he's asking us to do, and that's what he's inviting us to be a part of. See, if, if we really want to see our world changed, if you really want to see your family changed, it is 100% about the love of God in us. 
You know what Jesus said um, would be a, a mark of discipleship? He said, the world will, you, will know you're my followers by your love one for another. And the, the word love there, do you, do you want to take a guess what he was talking about? It's agape love. When we love each other sacrificially, when we choose to love each other, even when it's hard, even when it's not easy, even when we're in opposition to each other, the world will see that and they will be drawn and attracted to that. And they will say, I want to experience something like that. Because that's not a love that occurs naturally in our world. It's a, it's a love that only occurs through the supernatural power of God's love in our lives. That's what he wants for you today. I want to see your family changed. I want to see your life made different. I want to see this community changed. I want to see our world changed. It doesn't happen when we're just nice. It doesn't happen because we attend church regularly. It happens when the love of God gets in us and changes us and changes the people around us. I want you to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for loving us so well. God, thank you for loving us with a love that I can't even really fathom or understand. God, I think I've got a glimpse of it in the way that I love my kids, but God, I can't understand your love for us because God, I'm continually rebellious against you. Lord, I continually do things that I know brings dishonor to you, and so God, I thank you that you love me in spite of me. And God, I'm asking that today you would help us Love people that way. Lord, help us love people in spite of who they are, in spite of what they've done. God, help us choose to cover up weaknesses instead of exposing them. God, help us to choose to believe the very best about the people around us, God. Help us to bring restoration and reconciliation, Lord, in situations that seem so difficult because we choose to believe the very best. So God, I pray that you would help us love like you do. God, it doesn't happen because we want it harder or want it more. It happens because you invade us. So God, we invite you to invade us. Change us from the inside out. God, this is not about behavior modification. It's about a heart transplant. So God, change us today. Change us. And as you do, God, let it, let it change our city. Let it change our region. Let it change our world. We need you. We can't do this on our own, so help us today. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you, if you're here today, it, and maybe you don't love with the love that we're talking about today, but maybe the reason is because you've never really experienced that love. If that's you, I want to invite you into relationship with Jesus today. I want to invite you to make him the best friend you've ever had in your life. I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. So if you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm not really in relationship with God, but I want to be. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to know what it means to really love. If that's you, would you be bold enough just to slip your hand up real high where I can see it, and then you can put your hand right back down. Thank you. Over here on my left, I see you. You can put your hand down, ma'am. Thank you, on my far right. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, over here on my right, over here. Thank you. Thank you again. Another hand on my far right over there. Thank you, ma'am. See you over here on my left as well. Thank you, sir. I see you down here on my right. Praise God. What about in the balcony? Yeah, two, three, four hands up in the balcony. Praise God. You can put your hands down. Praise the Lord. Thank you, ma'am. I see you up there. Praise God. Just a few more seconds. Anyone else? 
I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to say this really simple prayer after me. Say this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today, I choose to follow you. You are Lord of my life, and you have control. Use my life for your glory. Help me to love the way you do. Use my life to spread your message throughout the world. Thank you for paying the price for my sins and covering my sin with your sacrifice. I choose to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Today we had eight or nine people in this worship experience make a decision for Jesus. That's pretty incredible. If you're one of those people, I just wanna say, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for the decision you've made and I'm so excited for the journey that God's got for you. Now, when you go on a road trip, you look at the map and go, here's where I wanna get and then you have to get in the car and start on your journey. Um, the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Christ was raised from the dead, that you are saved, and that's true today. But we wanna help you grow in your faith. We wanna help you on your journey, get to your destination. And so if you have made that decision today, uh, you prayed that prayer, I wanna encourage you, you can do a couple of things. The first is you can fill this card out. It's in the seat back in front of you. On one side it says need prayer, on the other side it says salvation. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant that you can fill this card out that says salvation and drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. Simply let us know about your decision so we can help you uh, plot your road trip, get your, get your next steps going. We wanna connect you in resources and relationship to people around you. Uh, so we wanna help you with that. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're in the room and you don't wanna fill the card out. Um, you can simply take your cell phone out and text the word salvation to the number 555-888. When you do that, we'll respond back to you. And we're gonna help equip you and help resource you so that you can, so you can thrive in your journey with Christ. We wanna help you. Guys, well, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for what God's doing in your life. Um, this is just the beginning. God's got something really good in store for you. And thank you for being a part of uh, stepping into this journey with Christ. This is what's gonna happen right now. These guys are gonna lead us in one final song. We're gonna worship together. While we do, our prayer team is gonna be on either side of the stage. They're available to pray about whatever might be going on in your life. So if you've got a prayer need of any kind, don't you dare leave here without letting somebody pray with you. Uh, these guys are trained, uh, they're God-fearing people, and they wanna believe with you about whatever's going on in your life. So as soon as we begin to sing, feel free to step out from your seat and find one of our prayer team members. And then in just a moment, when we finish singing, Pastor Steve Rhodes is our executive pastor. He'll come up and he'll close us out. Why don't you stand to your feet all over the room. We'll worship together one more time before we're dismissed tonight. Guys, I love you more than you know. I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a great day.